You are listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 115, covering The Perfect Mate and Imaginary Friend. Hi, friends. Hey, everybody. Speaking of friends, my friend Matt is here in my house. Hi. How are you, Matt? Good. I'm in America. Yes, this room is America. Yeah. Like, oh, you look around the room. This appears to be America. <laughs> well, with let's Al's see. shoes and some microphones and a computer. This must uh, be America. My shark puppet's here. Your shark puppet is here. We got sinister plans for him. This is where he came to live. It is. After he moved off the top of my TV. Right. Um, so that covers the pre show chatter. <laughs> Glad we got that out of the way. I got a whole list of things we do, and uh, now we're done with mm-hmm. that. So we chat for 30 seconds, then go into the episodes. Yes. So what episode did you get? Uh, the Perfect Mate. Yeah, that sounds way better than what I got. <laughs> hey, look, I gave you a choice. You chose fruit. <laughs> I chose The Perfect Mate. Uh, okay, so... Why don't you tell us about it? Here's the type of thing I'm about to say. The Enterprise is doing what it apparently does best, escorting some diplomats to meet some other diplomats. Oh, and they're also minors. That's two squares on your TNG cliché bingo card. Apparently this group of people, led by a dude who either has trill spots or liver spots, can't quite tell, is bringing a glowy egg thing with a girl inside. (laughs) So once again, the Enterprise has absolutely no quarantine procedures because everyone is super surprised when the thing bursts open. How does it burst open, you ask? This is quite a good episode, and I was trying to skip that part because the rest of it is, as I say, quite good. But all right. Some Ferengi show up and prance around in that way that they do offering bribes and just all around making DS9's inevitable task of creating a likable Ferengi this much more difficult. And they crack open the glowy egg by, no kidding, an accidental pratfall. Hilarious! Don't worry, folks, they'll be gone soon. Inside the egg is Camilla, which is not a chicken, despite the fact that she came out of an egg, who is possibly for me what Andrea the Android was for Matt in the original series. Just gorgeous. Yep. Camilla is intended to be a gift to some dude from the other planet, but it's not some weird slavery thing or whatever. No, this is a blind date slash marriage, which, between this episode and cost of living last week, is apparently commonplace in the 24th century. Camilla emits pheromones that make her super desirable to all the men around her, which is sort of overkill, I mean, look at her, and has empathic abilities. Proper ones, not horrible, ineffectual Troy ones. She uses these abilities to learn what a man wants and then become that thing. So, naturally, they send her off with Riker. He manages to resist somehow. Well, I'm going to part from tradition here and play my quote now. We'll try to make you as comfortable as possible. Riker to bridge. You need me, I'll be in holodeck four. That's how he reacted to that. Yep. So, yeah. Meanwhile, Bever and Picard sit down for tea, which is a thing they do every morning, who says that they don't, and Bever suddenly forgets all her hysterical mother crap and locates a scrap of feminism in her. She browbeats Picard into intervening into this weird women-as-property thing, so he goes to check on her. So she becomes what he wants. Now she loves Shakespeare and archaeology. Before the captain learns her positions on pina coladas and being caught in the rain, he very sensibly assigns Data to be her escort. Eh? because Data is impervious to chemicals that make him want to fuck. Except for that one time when he was. Meanwhile, the Ferengi break a coffee table, severely injure the ambassador, and then are then, and are then handily thrown off the ship, off camera. 
So now Picard has to perform the negotiations. And inevitably, Camilla makes her way back to him, using all her charm and side boob to peer pressure him into giving his blue balls some sweet relief. At this point, I'm convinced resisting this is taking more willpower than him resisting his Borg implants. But this is fucking JLP we're talking about. The dude that Vulcans turn to when they can't be Vulcan anymore. Finally, Camilla's intended, who appears to be some kind of spotty Art Garfunkel, <laughs> shows up, marries her, and throws her in a pile with all the other crap that he won in the negotiations. <laughs> Before she leaves, she tells Picard that she's already mentally bonded with him, so spotty Art is going to have to endure Dixon Hill stories and indignant speeches for the rest of his life. Picard is obviously moved by this, and in a final touching scene, he has a brief conversation with the ambassador, who's made a full recovery since that coffee table incident. How were you able to resist her, he asks. To which Picard replies, well, I tried. I did everything I could think of, cold sonic showers, thinking about the ancient earth sport of baseball. I tried so hard, but in the end, it wasn't enough. It was too late. I'd seen everything. <laughs> I really like this episode. I did too. I... Aside from a couple of problems. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. I just... Uh... I remember liking this one. I remember it being a good character piece. It's weird because it seems like one of those dumb guest star of the week. Here's what's going on with these alien people. Who mm -hmm. cares? But it was a really good look into one of our main guys. Yeah. It's, it's how our you, mainest guy. Yeah. It's how you build a good guest star of the week, alien of the week episode. It's you build it around a guy we know yeah. and get in his head, which leads us right into your good thing. So Picard's chemistry with Fam K. Jensen, that's who played her, by the way, was just great. She doesn't. She does an excellent job of slowly whittling him down over the episode. Yeah, there's. That's what I'm saying. Like as a Picard episode, mm. you really realize how much. I mean, I hinted at this in my summary. How composed he is. How much control he has. Mm. And Stewart plays this great. Oh God, I really want to, but I can't. But no. But yes. Mm. But no. I but mean, Riker. Taboo. Riker even resists her. But like, yeah. like my quote. Uh, there's no, you know, he's got to do something about it. I'll be on Holodeck 3. Yeah. he's, And, and then we never see him again nope, for the rest of the, the episode. Speaking of people who weren't in the episode, mm -hmm. I noticed an interesting omission as a an empath shows up. Mm, yeah, you mentioned that to me. Funny that. You, you didn't even notice because nope. there was a lot going on. There was a lot to look at. I As soon as I said empath, I'm like, hmm, how's she going to interact with Troy? Well, the answer is she didn't. They didn't don't want to show you how good she is at empath. Yeah, we don't want to put them side by side and make you realize, oh, well, that's... Why did they put this chick on the ship? That's what an empath is. Why not indeed? Yeah. I I didn't want to objectify her as I talked about how great she was, but really, let's objectify for yeah. a minute. Yeah, good gravy. Okay, she's very tall. She's she like was... almost bill height. Yeah, she's almost looking freaks in the eye. Which is about as tall as you can get. Yeah, without being a man. Yeah. Or, or an alien, I suppose. Yeah. She could be... Well, she is an alien. Yeah. Never mind. Stop she could be taller. racist. No, I know. Stop being tall racist. She's got she's got those trill spots that made Dax in DS9 so hot, but they're not all over. They just sort of go down to a point down her back. <laughs> they form an arrow pointing at your ass as yeah. if you need help finding it. Yeah, here, here it is. It's Rather than presenting, she just mm -hmm. puts up a little sign. Yep. Ass this way. Thanks. You want to tap that? Follow this. <laughs> But really, I mean, I'm not even talking, se I mean, she's sexy as hell, mm. but she's just beautiful. Yep. Like, she's got really nice, like, deep brown eyes. She's got this just nice neck. She's <laughs> like this, well, I know it sounds stupid when you say that, but she's got this, like, elegant swan neck that makes just for a really, like, for a tall woman, that's just a really good look. I'm going to leave Al alone here with his neck now. Oh, no, there's there's more. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I'm working my way down, man. <laughs> no, she just she they give her good outfits, they put her in good clothes, and yeah. she's just a really really attractive woman. And she would go on to play Matt pointed those out. I completely forgot. Go on to play Jean Grey mm-hmm. in the X Men movies. And she she was all right in those, but I guess they made her look like in the comics because I just she did not no, make as an never really raised an eyebrow when no. she was in the X Men movies. She did not turn my head the way she did here. No, she just wow. And I know that was the point, but sometimes, as we've said, sometimes when Star Trek tries to do grown-up men and women sex stuff they don't they have succeed. no idea what they're doing but this case people yeah. have sex what yeah huh? well only men and women no and that was another opportunity where they could have had a quick little like she's irresistible to men yeah they could have said why well, can't she be irresistible to women and some women yeah but whatever. i mean like crusher never meets her yeah and apparently crusher's decided to take a huge interest in her i don't mind that when it's done right mm-hmm. i don't mind beverly as the the conscience, the almost bones of like, you know, yeah, we're dealing with these people, but this is not right. This but is if, not what we stand for. But I mean, now that I think about it, she never encountered any women. I wonder if that was just so that they wouldn't have to deal with that. That could be. But Which, I like... Again, yeah. Star Trek, no gay people agenda. Well, right. But I do like... Of course, it wouldn't work on Beverly. She hates women. Well, yes, obviously. She got hit on the head. But... Mm-hmm. I liked... I liked Picard sitting and having tea and... We see sort of casual Picard yep. with Beverly, and you, I mean, okay, I made a joke. I think in Cupid we saw them having tea, and that was it. Mm-hmm. But apparently they do this every morning. Yeah, right. their morning breakfast routine is to meet up, argue, and then go to work. I, I like that, though. I like mm-hmm. that they have it because Picard is totally, he wants to debate with someone. He wants to, like, he yep. likes that kind of thing. I think he even mentioned that his dad used to do that when they were growing up. Yep, no one else on the ship is going to do it with him. Right, and they have a nice, he has a great moment mm-hmm. where she's like you need to you need to interfere you need to step in and he's like oh sure we should just throw the prime directive right out the window Goodness, you've made me spill my marmalade <laughs> marmalade <laughs> i like i like that he wouldn't yeah. yell at a crew member like that like she is a crew member mm-hmm. but they that that's away right now yeah they're they're friends they're having tea and he can be sarcastic and he can argue with her and i, I like that we yep. don't see that side of him very often no and then you know he puts on the uniform Picard maneuvers it and yeah. gets on with I'm, being... I'm back. I got the Batman mask on yep. now. It's it, Daddy's going to work. Yeah. Exactly. Daddy's going to work. <laughs> but it was nice that she sort of stepped in, and they'll do this with her more. I remember mm-hmm. a few other things. In fact, they'll, she'll do it next week in Iborg. She'll be the conscience. Everyone's thinking of doing one thing, and she's like, wait a minute. Uh, what about this other thing? we shouldn't do that thing. And that's something Beverly can be good at. Mm-hmm. She can be the voice of... I mean, unfortunately, it makes her more the mom. Yes. To be the but, one, like I mean, at least that's in character. It is. We've established that she's the mom. We might as well give her other things to do as the mom. It is, and I, I don't know. I, I like that there is a character to say, we all think this way, and one other person says, well, that's not very kind. That's yeah. not very. You what know. if we didn't do that? Yeah. It's I, a shame that only showed up now. Yeah. Halfway through season five. No, most yeah. of the, we got like four episodes left. Almost the end of season five. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah. Um, so much for you, season five. That said, though. I, she did a good job here. Like, I liked her in this mm-hmm. episode. Oh, yeah, she was fine. And her and Picard, like, it's kind of like we've been saying about Troy. Off-duty, Beverly, I like better. I like her weird, let's get musicals together. Mm-hmm. Even let's though, put on a show. Even though she's bad at it, yep. I like that, too. Let's cast Barkley as the main character. Terrible Brilliant idea. idea. And this is actually in a piece of mail that we'll address in the next supplemental. Uh, Brian wrote in, and I'll just brief because I don't want to go into it. But, sure. But he pointed out that one of her choices in another show was just awful and completely not mm-hmm. valid. And I think that's probably true throughout. I think she's terrible at it. But I like 
I just see here is this person's like, okay, now this is going to bring Barkley out of his shell. Yeah. He's going to, and, he, and it, he'll surprise us all. Yeah. He's going to turn out to be a great actor. I can see it. God, no. you're not good. <laughs> yeah. But I also like the idea that she can't tell what good mm -hmm. is. But anyway, no, I like, and there's a couple of scenes. There's a scene where she tells Picard to go get involved, and then near the end, there's a scene where they have tea again, and he's like, this is all your fault. It sure is. Bye. Yeah. I just, I love, like you say, I love watching him. Patrick Stewart, I mean, every week we say what a great actor he is, but every week he adds, a... it's not like he's doing the same shtick every week. He no. adds something new that we've never seen before. We've never seen him tempted in this way and resisting. Yeah, he's very, very uncomfortable. I think the last time this happened was when the devil tried to get her <laughs> no, and fucker, and it didn't work on no, him. No, he was immediately like, go away. You're just being crass. And the devil. And Vosh just sort of swept in and yeah. charmed him into fucking her, but that wasn't, like, he wasn't in love mm -hmm. with her. I get the feeling, and it might have been the pheromones, but I think there was more to it than that. Yeah. I get the feeling this is really the first time we've seen Picard fall in love. Yeah. I... And there's also, I, I like the idea that they sort of present that, you know, she can adapt, she adapts to anyone yeah. she meets on the ship, right? But she likes being with Yeah, Picard. she wants to imprint on him. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I like that. I, what else? I, Riker was great, like I said. Yep. Um, we don't really see much of anybody else. No, it was a pretty quiet episode as far as Casco Data is there. Yeah, briefly. Jordy's building a temple in the basement. <laughs> There's a there's a nice scene where they're in ten forward mm -hmm. and uh, Data's her escort and there's these weird alien guys that we've never seen before. It's cool seeing aliens in yeah. ten forward, but we don't see them ever. I mean, they were listed as miners in the uh, credits, so I guess they were mining. Maybe they were part of this whole like mining treaty yeah. or something. I no, don't know. We're gonna we're gonna do a mining thing with like the ambassadors and all this crap, but we're also gonna bring some miners aboard because it's important that we have their opinion. I suppose. But they're sort of tough guys. They're sort of like if you went into a bar now, they'd be like bikers. Yeah. And they're, you know, they're hitting on her in more of a sure crass way. Yeah, Marion Ravenswood. <laughs> yes, exactly. But they're, because Data is, like, Data's come a long way. Mm -hmm. He's not so naive anymore, but he's still a little naive. Yeah. These guys trick him. They pull a trick. They do. What? And I don't remember specifically now what they uh, say. I believe I heard something about there being a problem down in uh, engineering that you should probably have a look at. Oh, yeah. And he, he almost goes, and then he's like, wait a minute. You are attempting hey. to deceive me. <laughs> but it was a nice little moment. And <laughs> My scam detector just went off. <laughs> Damn it. I knew we shouldn't have given you one of those. <laughs> but this actually sends me Your to my good thing. will work on me. <laughs> I can't find the lady because she's not there. <laughs> That actually leads me nice into my good thing, which is uh, Famke Jansen. She is way better than I realized. Mm -hmm. uh, she shifts gears five or six times as she adapts to the need of each new male, and in one case, a group of males, which is what we're talking about. She went in that scene. She's totally like she changes her body language. She changes her delivery. She's like, yeah, let's sit around and drink. This is great. Mm -hmm. You know, and you totally buy that. And then when she's with Picard, when she's with Riker, everybody, there's a brief moment where there's almost a fight. In the bar after the, the, you know, the scary dudes mm -hmm. are hitting on her. And Worf is like, get her out of here. And then right before they leave, she turns to Worf and just gives this really sexy growl. Yep. And she leaves. And Worf's got that same look that Riker and Picard have, that blue balls. Just, oh, God, I yeah. want. Oh. And he just lets out this little. And it was just, it was well, so great. Back to my quarters to beat Alexander. <laughs> oh, God. 
We do not endorse beating child. We do not endorse the beating of Alexander. <laughs> the beating of Alexander one two three. <laughs> it, but I mean, she, every time, every time she's put in that position, and like I said, it's a bunch of times. You buy that she's completely absorbed in mm-hmm. that person, and even that moment when she's trying to appeal to Worf. Yep. You buy it. Yep. She's like, whoa, this is this is like what Dax will do later. This is like what Kalar did. Like, th- this is what Worf wants. We know this about him. <laughs> Growly chin. Not just that. Like, she's looking at him. Yeah. Like, come on. Come at me. Let's fight first, and then let's fuck. <laughs> and you like, yeah, I that's what... Best fucking time. Yeah. And then she leaves. And mm. again. Oh. I'll be in holodeck, too. <laughs> we, we were talking, if this was a comedy episode, every scene would end yep. with... I'm on holodeck one. I'll be on holodeck four. Like, everyone's just going, you know. You know what? I'm fine with that because it turns out there's like seven holodecks at least. On yeah, the they're, they're holding the ridiculous negotiations that involve playing a xylophone, apparently. <laughs> so much other stuff happened. We were Early on, we were making fun of the xylophone, and then we were sort of overcome by all the other stuff. I almost yep. forgot about it. Yeah, we can't. Don't forget the xylophone. God, no. That was That was a lot of fun. Uh, just watching <laughs> these stupid and, uh, people and their stupid traditions. Picard and Camilla are going to start playing Heart and Soul on it. <laughs> I just, I felt, I don't know, I felt sad for her. Like, they did that nice thing where she's like, no, this is what I'm supposed to do. They took mm-hmm. me away from my parents. They took me away for training. I'm good at this. I'm fine with it. But there was still a nice little sadness. She didn't want to not do it. Yeah. It wasn't one of those episodes where they talked someone out of their traditional thing. Yeah, because, I mean, like, I feel like Picard might have at least started to think about that. But she's like, no, I'm not doing that. Well, like, and we've done... stop a war. We've done a lot of episodes like yeah. that. Yeah. And I don't mind them from time to time. Like, as you have said, First Contact was a great episode mm-hmm. where they take someone from a culture and they say, your ways are wrong, come with us. Yeah. Sometimes it works. This time, I'm glad they didn't do that. Yeah. Sometimes they just have to do, you know... You got to do your job. Right. And in this case, the job is transporting this hot woman. And then uh, go have sex with Spotty Garfunkel. Yep. Apparently. All right, so how about your bad thing? Ooh, good call. Tell us about it. Tell us about it right now as I cover for you picking up the iPad and reading the bad thing. Well, Frank, you're back, and they're just as terrible as you remember them. Crouching around, doing stupid shit, falling off of shit. The only thing this episode is missing is a couple of laser whips. I think the Ferengi have regressed. I know it's. it's, it's they're like season one pathetic. Ferengi. Yeah, like, like they're doing the whole like. Eh. But I think while they weren't great, the last couple of times we saw the Ferengi, they were better. Mm-hmm. Like they were slowly starting to get not good. I don't want to sound like I'm defending them. No, but they but were they less. Least, yeah, they were less crouchy. They're really pulp villains, is what yeah. they are. Yeah, I'm evil. I'm the greedy one. Yeah, like there's there's personality in them last yeah. time. Like, our cliffhanger at the beginning of the oh, episode yeah. literally just ends on the two of them going eh, eh, eh. Their, their whole plan is to have a distress call, have the Enterprise beam them aboard and blow up their ship so they can then be on the Enterprise to steal Camilla. Mm-hmm. Which is just ridiculous. That is a plan Cobra Commander would have been proud to put a stamp on. Oh, God. Yes, do that. That's... Blow up the ship. It's what they won't be expecting. That's and then, complex enough. And then you, you stall them by bribing them with coins oh, while yeah. this guy stacks boxes up. <laughs> Worf's old nemesis, crates. <laughs> then he can tap the egg on the top with a spoon. This actually leads me into my bad thing. Yes, please tell us your bad thing. I will do that. Good. Matt, Matt already said the Ferengi, but I think my point is different enough to make it a separate bad thing. You're right about them being terrible, but also... Plot-wise, their only point seemed to be the move the plot forward mm-hmm. by injuring the ambassador. Yep. That 
I mean, that did have to happen for the story to unfold the way it did. Mm -hmm. You had to have him injured so that Picard had to negotiate so that he would then spend more time with Camilla. That made total sense. But we have those weird sketching-looking dudes in 10 Forward. Have one of them hurt yeah, the ambassador. easy. Or something else. You, just bringing them in felt like a sloppy, like this was the first draft of the script. Yeah, and it, uh, and, we'll have the Ferengi do it. Yeah, no, no, it's like, it, and the footnote says, put something better than the Ferengi in <laughs> later. And they never did. Yeah. Like, a lot of people who write scripts will just throw something in as filler to get it done the first time. Mm -hmm. And then you leave notes. Like, I, I do this all the time. I like this, only funnier is the note that I use constantly. Yep. And those of you who listen to Sarcastic Voyage know I don't always get back to that note. <laughs> but I do try. But, yeah, it just... Like, it seems it seems weird to have them in there at all. Yeah. You know, they didn't... like, we're talking about an episode that's already got a lot of guest stars in it. So now we have two more speaking characters who also need heavy makeup. Incidentally, one of them is Max Grodenchik, I think I'm saying that right, who will go on to play Rom. In Deep Space oh, Nine. Oh, no, that was him, huh? Yeah. I just thought it was... I just thought a guy that looked like, looked like, like Rom? Had, like a, he has that Rom tooth that's yeah. trying to leave his mouth. No, I because you had mentioned that he looked like him, yeah. and then I looked in the credits, and I remember the actor who played him, and it's, huh. it's him. He didn't He didn't do this voice. No, that's what threw me off, brother. Yeah, no, he played it different. What Armin Shimmerman played his Ferengi a little different, too. Yeah. I think they just... Okay, this guy was good. This guy was good. Let's use He's them. a good Ferengi. Yeah. Um... But they didn't belong here. They didn't need, like you say, they didn't need two extra talking characters. They didn't need, you know, heavy makeup. They just, they, they, it just seems like there's a lot of easier ways to get that, to get that, that egg open and, and to get that guy ba to bang his head on a coffee table and think up the how the flux capacitor was built. <laughs> I just, I think it's not even the B plot. Like, the, the the thing we always bitch about, the B-plot of danger that has mm -hmm. nothing to do with anything else, it wasn't even that. It was just a way to move the plot forward. Yeah. We did, we, because often when you have a nice character piece, there's always that stupid thing we cut back to. There wasn't that. Once they left, it was just Picard and Camilla for the rest of the episode. Yep. And that's what we like. When there's a really strong character thing going on, we don't care. We don't need to see anything else. Yeah. This is... We want to watch Picard being Picard. Yeah. That's all we want to see. But I just, I feel like the, like, the writers or whatever were just like, well, we got to get some aliens in here. But, but that's like, they did. There's minors. They yeah. look great. They could have focused a little more on who they are, why they're there. Mm -hmm. And then they could have had the ambassador walking in during that scene when there starts to almost be a fight. Yeah. And they could knock him out and that could, like, there, we just rewrote your episode. Yeah. You're welcome, Star Trek. <laughs> just put our names at the bottom of that giant list of people who worked yeah. on the uh, story. No, they worked on last the, the next story. No, I checked. They were both. Oh, they were a lot of extensive ah. writers on both of them. That's that's unfortunate. Yep. This one was great though, and again, getting in Picard's head, seeing what he's all about, seeing, really seeing that struggle, seeing that, not to this extent, but every day is probably like that for him. Yep. He probably hasn't had sex since he went to Risa. Yep. Oh, I guess no, when, no, Vash. when Vash showed up. We yeah. know he fucked Vash. Yeah, but that was like last year. Yeah. And that's it. He probably, I mean, he might go on the holodeck. Maybe Dixon Hill bangs a floozy. <laughs> but that's about it, you know? Like, work it, Dix. There you go. <laughs> oh, God. I don't know that that's his type. My type. Well, we don't need to get inside your head and your libido. That's true. That's a different episode. I've been doing on a different that, podcast. I've been doing on that a different for internet. The post atomic Matt's dick. Yep. All right. Now I've been doing that for five years as we've been writing and doing other <laughs> collaborative things together. I have a pretty good idea now. Uh. So any further points? Any additional things? 
I don't think so. It was a very small episode. Like, there's a lot happening in it. Well, it was a nice get inside someone's head episode. It wasn't really a yeah. big, you know, themes. Like, I thought, oh, God, they're going to beat us over the head with this woman as property. Slavery no, is bad. they'll save the beating mm. over the head for next episode. Yeah. But it wasn't, like, it, it, they weren't going on and on about how wrong it was. Mm. They were actually doing a good episode about the Prime Directive, about this is how their culture is and why we don't agree with it. We yep. have to respect it. And that's what this show's supposed to be. Yeah. Sometimes... I mean, Kirk was all about charging in and imposing his will, and I'm fine with that. That was his character. Yep. But this show's supposed to be the more enlightened, Picard is respectful, and blah, blah, blah. But they, they forget that sometimes. It's always oh, humans are better. I think forget that sometimes. Yeah, that's probably true. Especially when Pancake Jensen's wandering around in front of you. Oh. <laughs> all right. Looking all her. Let's, let's move on. Yeah. Not that I want to. No, you don't. Let's move on to an episode I like to call Pen Pals 2, or... We should fucking know better by now. Or it's actually called Imaginary Friend, mm. unfortunately. All right, so the Enterprise arrives in an entirely awesome red nebula made of dangly haunted house cobwebs <laughs> and is invaded by a Christmas tree ornament. Later, a chocolate rabbit will arrive to menace Counselor Troy, and then an <laughs> Arbor Day will appear. The Christmas tree ornament takes the form of adorable little girl Clara's imaginary friend Isabella. Hence the title, and then they both go off in a roaring rampage of revenge to engineering and scenic wharf's crotch. Troy is hired by Clara's father to make her less insane, and then they go to a ceramics class, where Alexander is making his father a shoddy best cup forgery. Isabella wrecks up the place, ensuring yet another beating for Alexander, and then she and Clara get a divorce. Angered by not being allowed to get her sticky fingers all over everything, Clara gets the devil eyes and threatens the place, and the Enterprise is attacked by magic. Captain Picard, in a cameo appearance, arrives to teach Isabella that children aren't allowed in engineering. Then he shoots some energy out of the ship so that Isabella's stupid people can eat it. She and Claire resolve to be the best friends forever again, and then the Enterprise gets the ever-loving fuck out of there. I like to interpret your line as, the aliens can eat it, as, <laughs> let's get out of here, these aliens can eat it. Mr. Worf, please, please give them the bird, thank you. <laughs> I knew we were right to install that spring-loaded middle finger in the back end of the ship. It shoots out of the yellow thing on the side. That's what that yellow thing is. I was wondering. I, like, I also like your phrasing of, he hires Counselor Troy. <laughs> Here, will this be enough? <laughs> I need you to help with my little girl. She's got a problem. Picture her in a cowboy hat again. I'll take your, I'll take your job. Well, that'll be season six. That'll be fine. Yeah, but no, that's good. <sighs> so... Uh. Where to start? Well, where to begin? I will say that the streak of good kid episodes, which we have been surprised and pleased to point out, has now come to an end. That is true. We've had, I don't know, four or five in a row, mm -hmm. like, focusing on kids that have been pretty good. We had Jeremy Astor. We had uh, the kid who wanted to be like Data. We mm -hmm. had a couple of good Alexander ones. And now this. I will say the kids in the episode, like, the two girls are not bad at what they're oh, giving. Oh, no, the, the adorable little girl who's, you know, like, the, her imaginary friend keeps doing awful things. Mm -hmm. They might as well have named her not me. Yep. And, and keeps getting her in trouble. She's just, like, oh, you feel so bad for her, because she's actually a cute little girl. And then the other one, Isabella, she's just, like, she's very flat, like, she's mad all the time. And it's great. Like, I, I don't like it. want you to think I'm upset. But they talk about, <laughs> grown-ups don't like us because we like to have fun. Yes, we like to have fun. Look how much fun we're having, this you chick, and I. This chick had as much problem smiling as I do. Yep. I was not buying that she liked fun for a second. Now, there's a great scene where Claire's like, Isabella, I haven't seen you smile in a while. And she has to physically grab her face and, and move it. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, lady. Ugh. 
Uh, I don't. My face doesn't work this way. I will say I haven't threatened anyone in a while. <laughs> I will say this is another instance of uh, Counselor Troy not being terrible at the kid end of her job. Mm. Last week we talked about her stupid contract between Ale Alexander and Worf, and that was a misstep. Yep. But otherwise, I think she's pretty like we. She this, she's a, pretty good at this. She has a good attitude around kids. Like I she like does. seeing her work with because she does that thing where she sort of treats them like just people. Yeah, and she you does... Know, weird little people, but people. <laughs> and she does that thing where she doesn't say, you're not allowed to do this. She says, let's do that another time. Can Isabella come? Mm, no. How about no, next time? I don't time? think so. We'll do that we'll No do invisible that later. people. Yeah. Invisible people are not allowed. Invisible people don't like ceramics. Except except next week when uh, Ro and Jordy are invisible. Well, that's yeah. That's fine. Yes, we spent an entire act watching Alexander make a cup. <laughs> Thrilling science fiction action! He's so desperate to make his father <laughs> stop hitting him. And then Isabella breaks it. She's like, oh no, now he'll never love me. <laughs> oh, uh, oh, honey. Wharf, that, that cup was not the only thing standing between you and your father's <laughs> approval. <laughs> There's so the much wor more. The, the worst thing was, is with Worf, it might have been. That's true. Yep. You have it, honored you have honored me by making a cup. It might be it might be like a blood wine cup. Yep. Like the one like he modeled it after a Kalis blood wine cup. Yep. It's like, oh, this is fantastic. You did it. Oh. oh. Finally, I found it in my heart to love you for who you truly truly are, Alexander, and not what I want you to be. <laughs> well, as I've said, learning to give a care. Mm -hmm. There's... I'll stop imposing what my uh, my ideas of a better person on you, Matthew, and <laughs> treating you like my real son again. Wait a minute, I Matthew? Mean, uh, <clears throat> wow. Nothing. That was a bit of a slip. Whoops. <laughs> oh, everyone's got daddy issues. <laughs> the people who don't have the worst ones. Yep. There was, uh, speaking of Worf, there was a great, I love, I point this out every time, I love when Dorn lets his guard down just a little, he gets yeah. a little smile or he gets a little look in his eye, and he's being deliberately sort of over-imposing to these little girls because they're wandering where they're not supposed to be. Where do you belong? Go back to your quarters. And then they leave, and he just, just for a second, gives this little smile like, ah, oh, kids. Ah, always running around, getting up in my business. My boy better not be doing that. But the other ones, they're kind of cute. <laughs> he walks into this room, and I'm just thinking, Alexander, who are those two children out there? <laughs> How what did you let doing? Them? I was in here. What is it? Ow! <laughs> I don't like this thread. I think we need to drop this. <laughs> Uh, what about your good thing? Man? All right, my good thing. The weird red nebula that they spend the entire episode in looks really, really cool. It is. It's very simple, but it's it's sort of like the Mutara Nebula from Star Trek Two, but yep. it's it's different it's enough. It's got, like I said, it's got weird dangly Hall Halloween cobwebs in it, but it's just it's a neat effect. It is, and apparently that's where these glowy things live. Mm -hmm. eh, whatever. But no, it it does look cool, and it looks different. It looks mm -hmm. like a place they haven't been before, which they don't do very much of. No, they actually went somewhere new and interesting and spent some time looking at it. There's, I, I don't want to steal your quote. Did you do? No, you didn't. Okay. No. Uh, there's a bit down in engineering where um, uh, Clara's dad is, is an engineer. He's the engineer of the week. Yep. Although, in fairness, they do talk about him moving around a lot, which mm -hmm. is why Clara's so lonely. He's ensign way too old to be an ensign. Yeah, he was about 35. Mm -hmm. And if you've seen The Sopranos, he looks like Ensign Richie Aprile. He's, he looks like a <laughs> does, sort of a, a greasy gangster kind of guy. Oh, hey, Jordy. You're not letting me earn here, T. Be a real, sh be a real shame if you didn't let me work down here again. Oh. But they're, they're sitting around talking about the nebula, and it's Jordy and Data, because it's always Jordy and Data. Boss Diamato sends his regards. <laughs> Oh, the Diamatos have been dead for a century. <laughs> they got whacked of 
by uh, by Kirk and Spock in the uh, Mafia episode, oddly <laughs> enough. Um, but there's a great little just comedy scene where he's like, yeah, they, I don't remember the dude's name. Mm-hmm. He's like, yeah, they should name it after me. They should call it the whatever nebula. And Jordy's like, no, no, no. They call it the LaForge Nebula. Think of it. And then Data says, uh, I do not like either of those choices. I think Nebula N625 is really the best designation. <laughs> and it was it was cute. I, I like the idea of them decoding it and just like, this translates to spot. <laughs> well, I did not. I, I could not afford to name a star after him. <laughs> so instead, I named a Nebula. He always wanted a Nebula of his very own. Well, spot. With lots of dangly string for him to bat at. <laughs> That's what string theory actually is. Yes. Oh, hmm. uh, boy. So, your bad thing? Once again. Nope. <laughs> Once again. Once again, the Enterprise is attacked by magic because Brendan Braga doesn't know what science is. Cue me going, Ugh. I'm glad you're with me on this, though. I really feel like I was the only one bitching about this. It's really irritating. Like, it didn't bother me at first, but then it keeps happening. The reason it bothers me is not the episodes we've seen. It's knowing what's ahead. It's yeah. knowing what the next gen like the whole feel of next gen turns into that's why i don't like season seven because there's a lot of possession episodes a lot of just shape shifting and a lot of just stuff that's vaguely science fictiony but more just we wanted to tell this story about monsters yeah yeah, i mean i don't mind that nearly as much as you do but it gets it's bad when it's wearing down the actual like the show my my thing is I don't dislike monsters, but there's a place for that, mm-hmm. and the place for that is the X Files or Buffy or any number of other shows that have horror and fantasy elements mm-hmm. to it. Sci-fi, there should be cool aliens that are monster-like. Yep. But there should not be monsters. No. People turning into big snarling you things. You don't get to turn Worf into a whatever the fuck in that yeah. evolution episode. Right. That that was dumb. Yeah. And but then it, turn him back. Well, I don't like the turning back thing, but that's a separate thing. I think if they'd had a ship crawling with those things, mm-hmm. alien style, that could have been cool. Yeah. I'm I'm not against again, I'm not against aliens that are monsters. Yeah. I'm against just stupid and ghosts and fuck like next week when we do um when we do the next phase, that's how you do ghosts. Because there was a, a an established science thing happening. It yep. wasn't a thing they made up, it was based on existing yep. technology. And they do I mean without without really going into it, because we'll discuss this at length next week. But it's basically a ghost episode. Yeah. Only it's written well. It's written from a character perspective, and it's it's not dumb. But Braga always does these heavy-handed. And okay, what was the lesson here? Grown-ups are bad. The lesson is, grown-ups do things for differently. Grown-ups be different than kids. Grown-ups be like this, and kids be like that. But it's like sometimes we're unfair to our children. Ugh. But we have to be for them to learn things. Uh, they don't need to learn anything. I. This episode really, it, this episode genuinely felt like it was just written with kids in mind, frankly. And the, and as we've said, they've done good kid episodes. Yeah. We're we're surprised every time they do it, but they've done it a bunch of times. Mm-hmm. There's still way more good ones than bad ones. Yeah, it's just it feels it, it always feels like I loved this show when I was a kid. I don't need you to be like, don't condescend to me. Yeah, you don't need to condescend to me. I like. I know what I'm doing. Yeah, I like watching them fight the scary robot guys in the in the square ship. Yeah, I don't need to see a kid like me with a stupid. Like I said, I was making a joke, but really, this reminded me of Pen Pals. Yeah, this reminded. Ugh, are we doing this again? Mm-hmm. I I've seen plenty enough kids like me. I don't like kids like me. That's why I watch Star Trek. Yeah, it's escapism. Uh, so my good thing, Guinan. 
Yep. She's been gone for most of the season, maybe all of the season. We, you were saying that, I think, a week ago. I think we figured out that she was filming Ghost at the time. Uh, yeah, that could be. But I, uh, she's a notable omission because mm-hmm. she's one of our favorite sort of recurring characters. And when we started this, I had a couple of things in mind that I really wanted to convince you of. Like, I don't, you know, I've said before, I hope we disagree on stuff. I yeah. think it makes the show more interesting. Matt, I don't care what you think. <laughs> I like it when we, not argue, but I like it when we debate stuff, mm-hmm. when we come at things from different, I think that makes the show more interesting than we both think the same thing. Yep. That's why there's... I agree with you. <laughs> ah, but you're lying, because you always lie. It's true. Or is it? <laughs> the answer is yes. I think we have come at certain things from very different perspectives, and I like that. But in my head, there were a handful of things that you thought you, you thought you thought mm-hmm. that I really wanted to convince you of. Pulaski, yep. well... You kind of came around on that one. I didn't care that much. I don't hate her. She was there for one season, and it didn't matter, ultimately. But I really wanted you to see that Guinan was great, because you were like, I don't like Guinan. And I no, why not? She's great. And you're like, no, she's She's not. Whoopi Goldberg in a hat. But no. I think Whoopi's good. I just haven't seen her in a lot of stuff I like. She's Mm -hmm. one of those actors that just hasn't done a lot of stuff I care about. Mm -hmm. But she's great in this show. And she's been gone for a really long time, and now she's back, and she comes back strong. Mm. Even Counselor Troy's coming to her for help now. I love you, listen, lady. <laughs> she just she has a great scene when um, when Clara comes in. I keep wanting to call her Clarabelle because Clara and Isabel. Mm-hmm. And you had remarked that she's named after a cow, and yep. that makes me think of Clarabelle even more. Yep. So that's ruined. Yeah. Well, that's fine. The cow, the cow, little cowgirl and her imaginary cow. The cow is not what she seems. Right. And then she bought some magic beans. Yep. They could have called this episode the magic beans. And buried them in Keiko's Arboretum. That was a nice thing. Keiko is mentioned, but never seen. I wish that always happened. <laughs> O'Brien does, too. <laughs> the scene is she wanders into 10 forward, and the whole thing is Isabel put her up to it. Mm-hmm. I, and, and, and Get me a beer. Yeah. Well, I need to card you. Oh, no, I'm not of age, but Isabel is. Yeah. She can have a beer. She says it's fine. And she says I can drink it for her. Mm-hmm. All the other kids are like, that works? Shit. Holy shit. Alexander's like, I'm going to, this is going to be so much easier for me to deal with. <laughs> she she goes up and he she talks. blood wine to forget. Of course. Because he wants to be like his dad, but he also wants to forget his dad. It's a complicated yep. relationship. Yep. She, uh, Guinan starts talking to her, and they talk about imaginary friends. And, of course, Guinan has that way where she's like, no, that, she would never say, no, that's stupid. Mm-hmm. Instead, she's, oh, yeah, that's cool. I had one of those when I was a kid. And she yep. has this great speech about how her imaginary friend was a monster. <laughs> Was a Tarkalian razor, razor beast or something. Guy. It, you know, it kind of like, uh, the, it was kind of the same riff as Spock's teddy bear. Yeah, basically. But it was just, it was great because that's what she chose. And that's awesome. That mm-hmm. tells you a lot about Guinan. Yeah. She is nice and she is, you know, but she still has that edge to her. She's like, also awesome. Yeah, she is. And then Troy comes to her for counseling advice. Counseling and cake. I wrote I... it down. Two different instances of Troy going for chocolate. Yep. She goes to her quarters and asks for hot chocolate. Yep. And then we cut to 10 forward and she's eating uh, chocolate cake. No, no, she's not eating a cake. That's how we know that something's wrong. Oh, Guinan comes over and says, wait a minute. You haven't touched your cake. chocolate in front of you and you haven't messily devoured it yet. Yeah. What's, what's wrong, honey? And Troy's not only telling her her own problem. She's specifically asking her for advice mm-hmm. in her job. Yep. How do I counsel better, better counselor than me? <laughs> well, here's what I suggest. Oh, well, sit down. Yeah. I'll teach you last how time, to do my job. Last time she tried that, Troy sort of rolled her eyes and said, uh-huh. I, I'm not going to take advice from you. I know how to counsel people. And now she's like, yes, I teach don't know me. what the fuck I'm doing. 
Last week, I just had to hide because there was a real empath. And if they compared us for two seconds, they would have fired me. Uh, I, I just got a message from Mother. Have to head back. She's got another Bye. wedding. Bye. Weddings. Gotta go. Funeral. Mm. Chocolate wedding. Mr. Yeah. Hom. <laughs> Sacred chalice of um, rings. Bye. I dropped it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was pretty screwy. Yeah. Um. Actually, while we're in ten forward, while we're talking about all the sure. guy stuff, let's uh, let's go ahead and play it forward. It's a Sumerian coral fish with its fin unfolded. I believe what you're seeing is the effect of the fluid dynamic processes inherent in the large-scale motion of rarefied gas. No, no. First it was a fish, and now it's a Mentonian sailing ship. Where? Right there. Don't you see the two swirls coming together to form the mast? I do not see it. It is interesting that people try to find meaningful patterns in things that are essentially random. I have noticed that the images they perceive sometimes suggest what they are thinking about at that particular moment. Besides, it is clearly a bunny rabbit. Which was a fun little, like, I love, and I've always said this, I love when Guinan sort of tries to steer people yep. to the answer rather than giving to them. Mm -hmm. And she knows Data's got something in there. She's not trying to make him human like Picard is. No, but she is teaching him about humans. You probably got this in you. Yeah. You probably got a little bit of an imagination in there somewhere. I let's, mean, at this point, you have to. Let's just tease it out a little bit. Yeah, and he did. Also, he says the word bunny rabbit. Well, yes. I honestly, like, as adorable as that was, I honestly think that was a little out of character. Mm. He would say a rabbit. Saying a bunny rabbit was just sort of overplaying the comedy, I thought. See, I, I, I like that because now he's thinking, like, okay, well, I've just done this whole thing. What is she not going to be expecting from mm, me? That's Here. true. I mean, it's not like the words aren't in his vocabulary. Or he's doing the thing that Rorschach did in Watchmen. He's telling her what she wants to hear, yeah. so she'll leave him alone. Yep. I see pretty flower. Okay, you're not crazy. You Dead can dog go. in the alleyway this morning. Yeah. It is not logical. Oh, <laughs> uh, what else? I don't want to talk about this one. No. I hate this one. I, I don't Other hate it. stuff happened. Yeah. I mean, uh, it wasn't a mess. Oh, we got, uh, we got a little glimpse into Nurse Ogawa's life. Mm -hmm. It's one of those deals like O'Brien where... First she was in the background, then she got a couple of lines, then she got a name. Yep. This week she's talking about she went on a date, which was nice. And um, Beverly sort of... Uh, badgering her of her more information. I, I got a little bit of a vibe of, uh, why is my boss asking me about my personal life? But on the other hand, there was a nice sort of giggly girl mm -hmm. moment of, you know, well, I like him. He wants to take me to Risa next week, but uh, no, he's not Risa oh, material. You can go to Risa. I'll make sure, because I'm your friend, your boss. No, she actually says, uh, yeah, Risa's a little too soon. Why don't you go to this place? Mm -hmm. it, was, it was cute. Yeah. And we get to see a little more of her, and she is just adorable. She's yep. got this cute little smile and just this, I got a date. I was, you know, and I like her. I like that we're gradually seeing more of yep. her. And I just, in general, I like I like that character. And again, as we've always said, fleshing out. The supplemental characters making the ship feel more full. Yep. Instead of just like our guys, or just having the uh, engineer of the week. Yeah. Show up like this guy. Show did. up with his daughter. Yeah, and then next week we'll never see him again. Yeah. Well, he got transferred. I, I get that was actually not a bad way to explain this. This guy moves around military a lot. Military life. Yeah. That's Although fine. I don't even think military guys move every ten minutes. Uh, it depends. Mm. The thing is, we're in season five. Like you said, we got some good moments. We got a Guinan thing. We got a Nurse Ogawa thing. There's some I good mean, stuff. as far as terrible episodes go, we've had terrible. Episodes. I wouldn't say terrible. Yeah. I would say bad. Yeah. On one to ten, it was like a three. Mm -hmm. But we've had zeros. Like, yeah, exactly. I mean, we're not talking about like season one 
crap. No. Uh, or, you know, some of the worst of the original series. It's not series. justice. It's not like no. Plato's stepchildren. I wish, I really wish this could come across. I'm glaring at Matt. Hang on, let me get my phone. Up. <laughs> That'll be our cover up. No, I Where's my bucket? <laughs> I'm going to need that one soon. I just, I, I didn't hate it. I just didn't love it. I, again, an imaginary friend, really. Yep. You could you could do better. You what really... if an alien possessed a kid's imaginary friend? That would be a thing we could do an episode about. Yeah. It would be a thing you could do an episode about. <laughs> you could do a lot. Uh, let's talk about my bad thing, which we haven't done yet. Um, yes, let's do that, do. Okay, so Matt took my usual rant about Braga, which is yep, good. I stole it right out of his lips. No, 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 that's good. Like I said, I'm tired of saying the same stuff every time. I'm, I'm glad you agree with me. I'm mm. glad when guests come on and say, yeah, me too. It makes me feel justified in my same over and over again rant. Mm -hmm. um, but here's my thing. We have the standard alien race coming to live among us to learn more about us. First of all, we already did this in The Child, and that was terrible. Yep. That's exactly this. Like, a glowy thing came to the Enterprise, turned into a child to learn about humans. At least this time no one got raped. That was a plus. Yeah, I suppose that's true. Second of all, how the hell did you think you would learn anything about humans by impersonating an 11-year-old girl? Mm -hmm. It was a clumsy setup to bring us to, we're sometimes unfair to our children, but it's for their benefit. What a terrible moral. Which we are repeatedly clobbered over the head with, yep. with a club. Mm -hmm. and not even a good stout club. This one's made of balsa wood. It's a clown hammer. It's splinters, and yet they keep smacking us with it. Yep. Picard's indignant speech this week is, well, we have to do it. It's for their own good, the children. Your benefit, don't you know? Now, granted, he's not quite that I fancy. Don't, I don't know <laughs> where Matt that just, came Matt from. Matt just shrugged at me. No, I don't know what that was either. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes when we're recording in the same place, I wish this was video because... <laughs> We shoot each other looks, and you know. This is why you should come to our live show. Hey, yeah, uh, our live show is at the Emerald City Comic Con Sunday, March third at two p.m. in room two A B. You do have to pay to come to the con, but it is so worth it because this is an official event. We're in the program. We're on the website. Mm -hmm. We're 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 big deal now. Yep, we're important men with a panel. Yep, a panel and a briefcase. No, we don't have a brief. We need to get a briefcase. We do, and a safe. Get a safe. Do you have a safe? We only have five weeks to get there. We gotta actually, as you hear this, I think it's about three weeks away. Yep. We're, we're recording a bunch of these ahead of time, uh, so we can have time to prepare because oh my god, people are gonna be watching. I'm taking an entire month to panic. Yeah. We will be spending an entire month basically rehearsing the show. Yep. I, I apparently need to relearn how the order of good thing, bad thing goes because I've completely forgotten. Yep. I blame Amanda. Yep. Um but otherwise, yeah, it'll it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll be a big deal for us. So yeah. you should, if you are anywhere near Seattle, come see us. And and if you know us, if you listen to the show, come up and see us after and yeah. say, hey, will, I like the show. We have a table. We will be at it all weekend. Yeah, that is Except also true. when I escape to go look at people I like. Oh, by all means. go <laughs> Sitting at a table is kind of tedious. Mm -hmm. I don't, you know. Now that we have the panel, the table's sort of incidental. Mm. That's where we can tell people, hey, we're funny. Writing on CDs. <laughs> That's what we did last year. Once again, we are not talking about imaginary friends. That's because it was boring. You gave me a nice segue to, to talk about the live show, which is means I don't have to do the big info dump at the end. Yep. Which is great. Uh, but no, and honestly, there's not that much more to no. say. I have a bunch of notes here, but it's sort of the same thing over and over again. I mean, I say in the thing, Picard in a cameo appearance, but really, like, this is 
is an episode that just doesn't need most of the main cast. They sort no. of function as background. Uh, the the moment with Worf was nice. Yeah. And yeah. Troy does need to be there. Troy needs to be there, and having Worf as sort of a figure in the episode helps, especially with having Alexander in a, yeah. a prominent role. But, like... That's it. This is, episode is not about the crew. It's about this kid. And, yeah. to a lesser extent, her father. Mm. And I mean, that's the it. episode works with the Enterprise as a background, but it's not about our guys. No, and storytelling-wise... That's fine. Mm -hmm. We can do episodes if they're characters we care about, yeah. which we say over and over again. And these, these no. people just got here and they're leaving again. Mm -hmm. And we don't really care about this little girl. And the thing is, as we said, good actor, cute, mm -hmm. played the part as written. That wins. That does pretty well for me. I know you're not a big kid fan. I'm not. I Now that I don't have kids building bouncy castles outside my bedroom window, I'm surprisingly uh, mm -hmm. receptive to them again. No, I, a good kid actor I, I especially appreciate. Because, you know, learning acting skills that young is hard. And yep. a lot of kid actors are not good because they're still kids and they haven't learned yet. Yep. It's not even that they're inherently bad. It's just they're, they're kids. But like Brian Bonsell, who plays Alexander, we say this over and over again. He doesn't even have much to do in this episode. But he does it well. He does it well. He really does. Um, He's got this interesting, like, when, when, she, when she breaks his cup, mm. his precious cup, um, <clears throat> he does this thing. He's not... He's mad, but it's like you would expect him to just deck her or something. Well, she says Is Isabella did it, and instead of him saying, you know, what? Who's Isabella? Fuck you! He's instead he's looking around. He's like, who's Isabella? Yeah. I don't, I don't see her. And he he seems legitimately like he wants to believe her. Yeah, I thought we were pals, man. I got you water for your clay. Yeah, they. I taught you how to make a cup. <laughs> There is a sweet little thing when she, well, like, Troy first drops her off, uh -huh. and the the kid's talking to her, like, what are you doing? Oh, I'm making a thing. Well, and then Troy brings her her own clay, and yeah. they're, like, they're playing, and they're learning, and it's cute. And then, yeah, then she fucks his shit up. Yep. Maybe Worf knew he was making the cup, and now he's angry that it's broken. I wanted that cup. <laughs> I mean, I didn't expect you to do a good job on it, but at least then I'd have a cup. Yeah. I wanted now it to, I got nothing. I wanted it to hold liquid. That was, that was the only requirement. Yeah, now I'll have to use your cupped hands. <laughs> Hope you're happy. Father, the replicator can make a cup. No, you must learn your lesson. Computer, scalding hot water. <laughs> Father, you don't even drink scalding hot water. I do now. Today I do. Oh, God, it's agony. Today but at is... least you're learning a lesson. It is a good day to burn your tongue. <laughs> Worf Roshenko, worst father ever. That's not his name. Worf. He cast off his slave name. Worf. Worf, son of Moog. Worst father ever. He's a pretty bad father, as we will see when he shows up in Deep Space Nine. And has lost his son. And Well, not only that, but later on in Deep Space Nine when Alexander shows up again, and I won't spoil specifics, but we see that he has not become the very best Klingon. No. Which is not a surprise to anyone, but it's nice to follow up and see, whoa, yeah. yeah. To, um, wow. Well, it's nice that the show has runs long enough, the continuity runs long enough that we can follow up at that and say, okay, we know what his childhood was like. How did he grow up? Well... Yeah. As good as you would have expected. Although I believe when he actually shows up on DS9, he's about 12. Yeah, he should only be about 12, but they've already done he's that. He's Klingon 12, but... Yeah, that must be like 25, yeah. I, I guess. Uh, any further things? I don't think so. We, we Sometimes we struggle to say things about episodes we, we don't care for. and sometimes it's like, The thing is, I don't have a lot to criticize. We have the, the two or three yeah. points. It's the just... dumb magic thing, the pointless... Uh, you know, uh, plan of the aliens, and that's it. Yeah, it's 
pretty, you know, generic episode. I could I could completely watch Star Trek the rest of the time we do the show and never see another episode where an alien takes the form of something to learn about humans. Yep. We've done that. We've done it a lot of times and we've it's... done it a lot better too. Yeah, and I think I think we should be done. We're not. No, God but I, no. But I sure think we, got, we should be. We got three more series and yeah. all of them will feature this at some point. I think the way Deep Space Nine pulls it off is Odo's just doing that the whole time. Yeah. He is a human to learn about humans the end. Mm -hmm. All right. Uh, so that is all, Matt. Uh, he gave me a nice segue into the live show, so uh, skip that. don't have to mention that. Uh, the website is postatomichorror.com. You can buy our book. You can get our app. As I have mentioned before, volume two of the book is written. We had a lot of stuff going on with the cons. So we had to put it off a little, but it'll be out in about it's a month. Coming. Yeah, the material is written. We just uh, we, we wanted to concentrate on the panel and a yep. few other things. And honestly, we're a little short on money because all this stuff takes money. Mm -hmm. But we'll, we'll get it done. We'll get it out there, I would say, April or May-ish. Um, and that's the first four seasons of Next Gen. Should, be, should enjoy that. Uh, our, better. <laughs> our pal Bob, who is actually on the show next week, uh, is also working on the iOS app that you can use on your iPhone and iPad. Um, currently, I, I believe he's working on an upgrade, like a, a new version. I don't want to speak for what he's doing specifically, mm -hmm. but I know at some point that new material will be integrated. Whether or not you have to pay extra for it, I don't know. I don't want to speak for him, but we'll see. Uh, oh, and uh, our email address is postatomichorror at gmail. Uh, or call our voicemail, 206-973-3982. I don't have it right next to me, so I hope that's what it is. <laughs> One time I gave out the voicemail off the top of my head, and it actually was my cell phone number. <laughs> Thankfully, I caught it in editing, because Jesus <laughs> Christ. Not that we get a lot of voicemails, but, you know. I don't want you people knowing how to reach me. <laughs> Except when I'm making public appearances at the Emerald City Comic. <laughs> Incidentally, here's Matt's cell phone number. Yeah, well, he's in Canada, so it'll cost you a lot of yeah. money. All right, and with that, we have we got to go play with some toys now. Yep, tired being a podcaster, isn't it? Just mm -hmm. Matt's here to play with toys, and then uh, we're gonna talk about Star Trek some more. Yep, and that is that. As soon as we figure out what we'll talk about. Yeah, uh, as I say, next episode is a fantastic lineup: Iborg and the next phase. That'll be great. Yep. Uh, for two weeks after that, we will be doing supplemental episodes. Typically, these come between seasons. We have one more episode to go, uh, which is the panel. So we're doing it a little out of order, and we're actually doing two of them. And that, again, is to allow us time to prepare for the yeah. uh, for the thing. So the first one we do, we're going to be answering all your mail. The second one will be a discussion topic that we've been throwing around. So look forward to that. And it'll have awesome uh, Vishal Bharadwaj cover art. Yes. Which, if nothing else, get it for the cover art. Stay for us being nerds. All right, Matt. Why don't you say your thing? See you, folks. See you, folks, indeed. <laughs> The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.